and welcome to That Happens, the podcast where we get deep into the down and dirty of Dirt Down. It's time to get Dirt Down with Dirt Davis. That's right. My name's Spencer, and I'm here with Jeff Divity Davis. What's up, Jeff? Jeff the Dirt Man Davis. That's <laughs> when, when we start our actual FM radio uh, morning drive time, uh, I, I'll be Jeff the Dirt Man. And what are you going to be, Spencer? I guess I'll just be, you know, like there's the there's this like just the the guy who's like, oh, it's the roach or whatever. So I think it'd be <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Jeff yes. the and Dirt Man in the Sixler, the Sixler and Dirt Man in the morning. <laughs> Hello, Happuccinos. Uh, we took a week off, and uh, boy, did I miss you sorely. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess in that time we have we have so. Uh, what I'm finding out, uh, we have a little bit to t- talk about on the medical front. Um, um, let's let, let's save Spencer's thing. Should we, should we dive right into Spencer being in the ER last night? You know, whatever. I, I think the more you know, the the bigger thing that fans will care about is our good our good friend and mentor Jordan Peterson, <laughs> who yeah. almost it- died. I guess this is not current very much. Yeah, but. Yeah, that, I think it was. I'd never heard of Jordan Peterson. Uh, sounds like a quack right wing kind of Looney Tunes. And uh, I was just doing a little brief Wikipediaing and and uh, Google searching on him, and he sounds like a, a lot of fun. Um, as as a New York Times article referred to him, the custodian of the patriarchy. So wow! <laughs> and then you, you you see a picture of him, and it just screams out yuck, like yeah. Yeah. Why would you follow this guy? It's uh, he doesn't he almost, look well in any sense. He, no, he looks like um, he looks like a like a like like a very youthful crypt keeper. <laughs> the crypt Me- the meaning crypt meaning he's not first job. Yeah, he looks like a middle aged crypt keeper, which I which which I want to say is about four hundred and fifty years old. I don't I don't know how long the crypt keeper has been undead for. So who's to say? Not me, man. Not me. Okay, so I, I haven't been on Twitter much, uh, and I, I was promoting our thing today. I p- posted a little clip, and I saw... I was hoping you had posted something so I could just retweet it, because I'm that lazy. And I saw that you had been in the emergency room last night, so uh, please fill me in on that. Oh, yeah. So I was, you know, minding my own business, not causing any trouble. Uh, you know, I was, I was... I was on the website for various charities, thinking about which one, you know, might might need some help and support. Uh, I was receiving my Nobel Peace Prize, as you do on a Saturday night. Um, and all of a sudden, I just get attacked by pain. I, I, uh, I guess preceding the pain, and this is very important, <laughs> not at all just a random detail. But I took a dump, and I was like, I feel like I should have shit more. And then I peed, and I was like, I feel like I have to pee more than this. And then it stopped. And then pretty soon after, um, I just got terrible, terrible pain, like right in my right behind my dick, Jeff, like right in that kind of pubic mound region or whatever. And then it kind of started sliding up into the right into like my like the fat of my gut, like not my organs, but like really just the big roll of fat that I have. And it was just so painful. And um, I was like, "Ugh, I'm dying. This is no good. I thought it was maybe a kidney stone. Well, I was I guess I was hoping it was a kidney stone um, because I've had a kidney stone before. Or at least I thought I had a kidney stone before. They never found it or anything. Um, but so I thought it was that and it the pain didn't go away. And I was like, well, this is like my burst appendix or something. 
I'd be really foolish not to go see a doctor, you know, because if, if you go to sleep, not that you'd be able to sleep if your appendix burst, but if you don't get that treated, it can it can kill you without getting treated pretty quickly. Um, but I didn't think it was because, you know, I'm not a doctor. I always claim to be, but just to be real, I'm not. Um, but if you think you might have a burst appendix, what you do is you take your hands um, and make them stiff fingers and kind of jab at your your guts um, because if you do have a burst appendix, like it'll just explode in agony. Whereas if you have a kidney stone, it won't substantially hurt more than you're already hurting because, you know, obviously the akindits ruptured, everything's going wrong. And even just touching that will will really fuck up the whole system. Whereas kidney stone is just kind of like this general thing that happens. So I did that before I went to the doctor, took a bunch of Motrin because I remember the last time I went to the ER for a kidney stone. All they did was give me like a bunch of Motrin and send me home. They didn't even charge me. It was weird. Um, I, I'm still waiting for that uh, bill to show up, but so far it hasn't. But this was like eight years ago or something. I remember I called or I texted Dan. It was like five in the morning and I didn't know what to do. So I texted Dan. And I was like, I feel like shit. I think I'm going to go to the ER. Um, but yeah. Um, so I'm going I'm, I'm to guess yeah, Dan. Go I, I'm going to guess that Dan left out of bed through on some sweatpants and sped over at top speed to your house to take you to the emergency room. No, I, I was just like, I don't know what to no. do because I've never really had a medical emergency like that. And then he was like, yeah, go to the ER. And then I did. And, uh, you know, never heard from him again. <laughs> Jeez. But right, I so, didn't so want someone what, to What, what happened yesterday? Did you, did you pass a stone? Uh, not yet. Um, so I went to the, I went to the ER. I checked in. There was a lady with uh, her head wrapped in a giant bandage, and her head was bleeding, and she had bleeding rags on the floor around her. Jesus Christ. But she was pretty calm. Um, they eventually went home because the ER was really busy that night, and she didn't like waiting. Um, so that was funny. Um, they, it was, like I said, it was a busy night, so they didn't see me for a while. I was in terrible pain. I kind of felt like... <laughs> Yesterday I ate a steak and so I was like I wonder if this is really bad indigestion because if you have like intestinal gas like it can feel like knives stabbing your intestines um, right. it was way worse than even the worst indigestion I felt but it's it was kind of similar so I, I kept trying to go to the bathroom and shit and that wasn't working and um, I drank a lot of water right before I started getting all those pains and so I was really full and feeling gross and I eventually threw up but they couldn't see me. They, um, you know, they couldn't get me a room because everyone was, uh, you know, the whole place was bumping. It was a real hoot. It was a real like uh, the nightlife was off the chain. But um, I, I was just kind of like I couldn't sit like it hurt more to sit than to stand. And also the chairs there are the most uncomfortable chairs I've ever experienced anywhere in my life ever. They had these metal chairs outside that were just like these metal bars, and those were way more comfortable. But so I, I would like get up and walk around, pace pace around, and I was glad no one called me out because I feel like I looked suspicious, just kind of like walking to and fro. But it just actually it, it felt better to walk. And then I would go outside and jump because I was like, if this is indigestion, I want to move this gas through my body. Or even, you know, if it's kidney stone, maybe jumping will help kind of like move it down. I don't know. But it helped to. It felt better to jump too. Um, so, like I said, I went to the bathroom. I threw up. Um, they eventually got me in for a CAT scan. That was okay. It was pretty quick. I've never had a CAT scan before. But um, then they uh, they took a blood sample, or yeah, blood sample, urine sample, and then they sent me back into the waiting room until I got a I got a uh, 
a thing, uh, a room, which I didn't get for like hours. I went in at 930, like at one or two, I was still not, um, what do you call it? Still not seen by a doctor Jeez. or anything. I did not feel seen. Um, but, uh, so <laughs> I waited so long. I felt better. <laughs> like the pain eventually passed, not completely, but it, like I said, it was to the point where like, I couldn't sit down. I kept getting up. I kept jumping around because like it kind of helped in the moment. And it got to a point where I can kind of just sit and I close my eyes and, um, I had a mask that I brought from home and then they gave me a paper mask. So I put the mask I brought from home over my eyes like a sleeping mask and tried to like sleep. And that was something I couldn't do like when I had first come in. And like every every now and then I'd get these stabs of pain, but mostly I was, you know, not in pain. And then um, the nurse calls me back in. They're like, we're going to take your blood pressure again. And I was like. I don't know, you guys. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of feeling a little bit better. It might have just been indigestion. I don't know. And then a nurse, like, pops her head around the corner, and she's like, you got a kidney stone, bud. <laughs> and then I was like, what? She, she called you and bud? Yeah, I, yeah. she called me She called me home slice. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I we're on <laughs> yeah. these terms yet, miss. Hey, um, hey, you got, a, you got a kidney stone, buddy boy. <laughs> you, uh, you, you mook? <laughs> um, but I was like, "What?" And she was like, "Yeah, on the CAT scan they showed it, and it was it was two point seven millimeters, so not that big." And I was like, "Not that you need a ruler to measure that. That's not that's not small. What are you talking about?" Um, but but like I said, at that point I was feeling better, and they were like, "We just need to get your room, then we could give you drugs and let you go." And I was like, "Well, drugs might be good." Like, I don't want to miss the chance for drugs if I end up needing them later, you know? But I kind of don't want to wait around for a room. I wait for, like, another two hours. I finally get into a room at, like, 3, 4, 3, like, I think 3.30 a.m. And the Jesus nurse, uh, yeah. So, so at this point, I've been there for six hours. Um, the nurse kind of, uh, th now this guy was a male nurse, and he, he you know, gave me an IV he was a cool guy. We were joking around because at this point I was a lot feeling a lot better. You know, I wasn't in terrible, constant pain. Um, and so he gave me an IV. He gave me antibiotics. Oh, because another thing is they, they found some bacteria in my urine sample, which means that maybe I have a UTI in, in addition. I don't know. Um, but they wanted to give me antibiotics. Um, so they gave me the, the shit. The, the IV emptied at like. 4.30, and then I had to wait, like, another hour before they discharged me, just, I think, because they were busy doing other shit. Like, I don't think there was any reason to keep me at that point, but I didn't want to be a hassle because there was other people that were having, you know, that were complaining there was a guy with a really bad, I think, kidney infection. I wasn't sure exactly what was infected, but he was like, I want to leave, and they're like, you can't leave, and he's like, I want to leave, and they're like, well, you have to sign this thing saying you're, you know, going against medical advice or whatever. So I didn't want to be, like, a, one of these guys. Um, so I just stuck it out. And then I, I got out at like six. <laughs> the sun was rising. Fucking and I went hell. home and went to bed. Yeah, it was like nine hours. And uh, Did they give you anything for treatment? Did they, did they give you some magic like drink to drink and it goes through your wee-wee and, and dissolves the uh, the stone? They gave me fizzy lifting drink, but they said I'm not supposed to drink <laughs> it, um, especially right. in your ceiling fans. No, um, they gave me antibiotics. They gave me anti-nausea. I kept saying like, nausea is fine. I mean... If I get nausea, that's not great, but I don't need... Med I'll just throw up. That's fine. Like, I don't care. Um, and they gave me... <laughs> they prescribed me, Jeff. They prescribed me Advil. 
I went to the pharmacy and bought over the counter, bought prescription Advil for some wow. reason. They also prescribed me what my uh, my friend who loves opiates uh, let me know was Vicodin, which was dismaying because Vicodin doesn't work. Anytime I've had Vicodin, it doesn't feel better at all. None of the pain feels better. And mm-hmm. I get sick and throw up, even if I eat food beforehand. So it's basically just <laughs> vomit pills. Um, so that was a bummer. But luckily, I basically haven't had any pain since I got um, out of there. Like, I've had occasional stabs. But basically the last, what is it, five, six? Um, the last eight hours or so, I haven't really felt any discomfort. So I think the kidney stone is probably in my bladder. They said that it, like, even by the time they CAT scanned it, it was pretty far along in, you know, its journey to my bladder. Because once it hits your bladder, it's a lot better because your bladder and your urethra are a lot bigger than the ureter, which is what the kidney uh, travels through, the kidney stone. Ah. So, yeah. Well, that, that sounds like an awful ordeal. Although Greg Proops's kidney stone story was worse because he had to pass his at the uh, at he was in like Austin Texas and it was a Saturday night and it was pouring rain like like a heavy duty biblical rain and he couldn't get a taxi and he had to walk like a couple miles with with like screaming uh, kidney stone pain and uh, and he had to they, they, they he I think he passed it that that evening but but he said that was a very long wet walk. And in, in, in <laughs> agony all, all the way to, by himself to the uh, to the hospital. Yeah, it, it it's it's bad. It's not it's not good. Both my parents have had kidney stones multiple times, so I think to the extent that that sort of stuff is hereditary, I you know, I got oh, snake God, I eyes I or whatever. Yeah, you're and Kevin. Fine. You're and it's diet too, so you got a good diet. You're. Fine. I don't. I don't really know if I really do have a good diet. I, I, as a vegetarian, I still eat lots of crap. Like, like I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not eating quinoa bowls for breakfast. You know, um, although I do enjoy a quinoa bowl. It's just I. I don't. I, when I cook, I cook really rudimentary stuff. Like I'm a sandwich mm-hmm. guy when I cook, and then I, you know, I, I eat out or I order Thai food and stuff like that. So I mean, I, I eat okay, I guess. But, I think uh, it's like salts and sugars are like the biggest, I think, thing that contributes to kid- kidney stones. But yeah, I'm, oh, I'm they just happy that, that they also gave me a strainer that I'm supposed to pee in, so I could catch the kidney stone and give it to my doctor as a gift, like as a that's thank creepy. you present. Yeah, he he's got, he he takes his shirt off, he opens up his <laughs> collar, and he's got a necklace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad we had that we, two weeks off, and we're just doing uh, depressing medical corner right now. Uh, speaking of which, Kevin, you said that you just had your second shot, and you got uh, you got some heavy duty uh, knockdown symptoms. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't feel great. I mean, I'm still glad I got it, but it was really heavy fever and headache for the last three days now. Yeah. Uh, today's I think finally the first day where I'm back to feeling like I'm sort of coherent, but it, it was just a miserable few days. I, I, I for, for two days I was just really really tired and like kind of had like like a mild chill and uh but I was so I was so tired my like bodily that I just laid on my couch and watched old movies but was too tired to get up and like make myself any food so I, I don't think I ate anything for a full day so then the next day I felt like a, just a bum because I hadn't I hadn't eaten anything so it took me another day to get back on my uh, back on my feet. But that, also, that said, everybody, don't don't let this scare you off of getting your vaccinations. P- please get them. Yes, it's way better than the real thing. Please, please. Uh, 
even if you get some mild side effects like this, it is it is a million times better than than getting it for real. And Kevin would know. Honestly, fatigue is like annoying, but that seems kind of fun to be all like, "Whoa, I'm so tired. I can't do anything, man. I'm Chong, man. I'm Tommy Chong." But it was like I I was mentally awake. Like I wasn't sleepy. I just felt like I had, you know, just ran a marathon. Sorry, I'm making myself a cocktail as we as, as we speak here. Jeff's cocktail is brought to you by Kidney the Kids, 100% authentic stones. Do I'll, you have I'll, the stones for these stones? I'll tell you who it's brought by. I, I was given this. I, I went to a, a proper dinner party with friends that I haven't seen since the uh, this whole rigmarole began, you know, a year and a half or more uh, ago. And we used to go have these civilized... Uh, dinner parties with my, you know, my fancy, fancy friends. And, you know, m- meaning they're rich and they have nice houses and they have like private chefs and stuff like that and bartenders and whatnot. And uh, at the home of the host, uh, he, it's director Paul Feig. If, 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 if you know who Paul Feig is, uh, the, mm-hmm. the director and TV show creator and whatnot, he, because he's a fancy lad and he's like, he's the most pimped out, well-dressed dude I've ever met in my life. He's made his own brand of gin. And it is called Artingstall's Brilliant London Dry Gin. And I have not tried it yet. So I'm going to crack her open right now. So this is brought to you by Artingstall's um, from the good people at Feig Industries. Artingstall's. Do you love the cool style of art? Artingstall's. It's Artingstall's. Can we we get it on there? Artingstall's. For when you need a stall to store your art. On the back it says... It says about Paul Feig. Paul Feig, maker of good movies, bad poems, and brilliant gin. I think that's cute. If that was supposed to be a poem, he's right. That is not good. Paul Feig, you go into his... Uh, he lives in Burbank, and his house is not like a, a palace. It's, it's a very modestly sized house. It's, it's a big house. It's, it's, it's a beautiful house. I mean, it's, it's a large house, but it's not like... You're, don't, don't picture Xanadu or anything like that. Um, but inside, it is the most beautifully decorated. They have so much taste, it's kind of, like, annoying. Because everything is perfect. And when you walk in, on the left, there is a walking stick holder, like a canister for walking sticks. Like, mm. And there's a lot of them. They're all fancy, of course. And then another one for umbrellas. Now, living in Los Angeles, I don't see the need to have more than one umbrella at any point. Maybe two, because you have a wife and stuff like that. But um, 15 umbrellas by the door, I think, is a little bit much. Maybe he gets them as gifts. So you know him? I do. I met him through uh, the idols, through Eric, who was also mm. there at the dinner. Eric and his wife and daughter and her boyfriend. And um, it was a small little gathering. And uh, I met I met the Feeks, I think, once at Eric's house a few years ago. And then I was in London doing shows with uh, Whose Line Is Anyway at the Royal Albert Hall, which was fucking awesome. Mm. And... They were also in town doing a press tour for the uh, for Ghostbusters because he directed the uh, the the women version of, uh, of Ghostbusters, and they were in, right. they were in, in London doing a press tour, and he's like, I- I'm going to want to drink after this, so let's meet at my uh, at my bar that I go to, and uh, so he he tells me to go to this bar. It's called Duke's Bar, and it's at I think the same St James's Hotel in St James Park. I'm not sure exactly. It was dark, and I don't know London all that well. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you'll get there before us, so just sit down and tell him you know us and grab a drink and wait for us. So I had just got a really kick-ass suit uh, from Vivian Westwood. 
I don't know if it's actually on Savile Row, but it's like it, it, it's basically Savile Row where all the good you know suit makers have been for, since forever. And I got this bitchin' suit, and I was uh, I'd done my show, got changed into the nice suit, get a taxi to this bar, and I walk in. It's a smallish hotel. It's very very British and very very finely appointed. Very cool. Very Paul Feig and Lynn Laurie Feig, his wife. And I walk in and I. I kind of look to the lobby, which is quite small, and I look to the right, and I go, okay, it's got to be where the bar is. And I walk in, and this chrome-headed, like, bald dude in, like, a white dinner jacket with, a, like, a drink cart, like, bars my way. He, like, he, like, like stops me from walking in. And uh, he's like, who, who are you here to see? And I said, well, I'm, meet, I'm meeting some friends, but I think I'm early. I'm, is it cool if I just wait at the bar and uh, wait for them? He's like, he's like, there is no bar. I'm like, well, I see people drinking. And, he, and he's like, who are your friends? I go, well, they're guests here. Um, it turns out they weren't guests there. That's just where he likes to go drink. I thought they were guests at the hotel. And the guy says, well, what, and what are their names? And this guy was like kind of throwing me out. And uh, and I don't think I looked like a ruffian from off of the, the streets of London. Um, but he, you know, like you have to know somebody, I guess. And I said, uh, uh, Paul and Laurie Feig. And then he brightens up and he goes, and he moves the car out of my way. And he goes, those aren't guests. Those are friends. Right this way. And there's a big like oil painting of Sean Connery when you walk in. I forget if it's signed. But there's a big Sean Connery when you walk in. And there's no there's no bar. He brings the, the, the drink cart over to you and you're in a big high-backed chair and it's very, very English. And you, I guess the word on the street is you don't ask, you don't tell him what you want. You ask him what he, what he would like to make you. And supposedly, if, I don't know if I've got this wrong or if I, if I just want to believe this or if this is the, the actual truth. It's where Ian Fleming used to go drink when he was writing all of the James Bond books. Mm-hmm. And supposedly that's where the martini shake and not stirred originated and stuff like that. So it was very cool. And then Paul came in and we talked about clothes for two hours. And his wife was like, are you two weenies ever going to stop talking about clothes? And we're like, not for a while. <laughs> Man, that story makes me hate Britain. <laughs> that bouncer is like fuck that guy. I don't. I don't need a country of this. Well, it's not a country of that. It's it's if you're rich and fancy, that's you're not allowed to. Yeah, I mean, there, there is still a, a, like a hierarchical class structure there that is quite evident. Right. And uh, like even I don't know. I flatter myself when I say that if I walk in looking my best, that I should be welcomed in and uh, given a chair if possible. You know, grab a drink. Well. If you're a customer entering a business that serves guests, I don't think it's unreasonable to assume they wouldn't just prevent you from entering. <laughs> like right. that seems pretty reasonable. Also, I found out that that night it was karaoke night and ladies' night. Whoa! So yeah, I yeah, I love yeah. I love England. I, I it's uh, I had so much fun there. It's mm. it it is a little it's very it could be a little snooty. It can be a little divisive, and uh, the the best part is getting into a black taxi cab. And uh, getting a Cockney driver and just the racism. It's just the, the the first sentence out of their mouth is, you know, he's fucking packies, you know, fucking come over here. And I was like, okay, hey, take it easy. <laughs> it's right. like, let's let's uh, let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about the fucking chavs. You know about all these chavs? <laughs> I I've I've seen the word written. I, I define chav for me. Or is it, is it just like a, a London hoochie? I think it's like a, a punk kind of like, well, not punk, but it's kind of like a bro style. 
that I think is like based in appropriating black culture. So I think you can say like, look at all these fucking chavs and like say like it's kind of like thugs, you know, where you're kind of like the undertone is it's black. But it's like it's it's a lot of white, you know, uh, Englanders like, you know, associate with that stuff. But I, I think it's kind of like that, that sort of like, oh. Look at these thugs with their rap music sort of connotation when people talk sure about it. Sure, a gang of M&Ms. <laughs> oh, so it's, uh, is like that Randy really what Mello? it is? Yeah. Why don't I think it was all that, that was what's, what men called women there? But it, it, it's unisex. It's You can be a male and female chav. I think it's more men, it's, but yeah, you could. Um, but man, speaking of M&Ms, have you guys had peanut butter M&Ms? They're so no. good. I don't think I have. They, to me, they taste way better than Reese's Pieces because Reese's Pieces, I always expect them to taste like chocolatey, but I think they're just kind of like pe- you know Reese's peanut butter in like a, an essentially an M&M candy coat shell. I don't even think they taste like peanut butter. They, they, they don't even have a really d- d- uh, distinctive peanut butter taste. It, it doesn't taste That's anything like the, pe- like the peanut butter cups. Give me a Reese's peanut butter cup any day, Jack. Mm-hmm. I will eat yeah, that Yeah, they kind of mostly just taste like corn syrup, right? They're just kind of like... Maybe a little bit buttery, but mostly just sweet. Yeah, they, they're kind of like yeah, like buttery. I don't know. They're kind of cloying. I I, I have a, like I'll take a handful of those. Someone's got some at the movie theater or whatever, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm done with these. It's it's kind of the same with Junior Mints. You think you want a box of Junior Mints? You want like eight Junior Mints. You want a York uh, a York Patty. That's what you want. That's what you do. Um, York Pat the York Patties are good. Yeah, man. Um, but one thing that uh, England and Great Britain in, in general, and for that matter, uh, countries in the Commonwealth like Canada and Oz and stuff like that, uh, English chocolate, British chocolate is, is, and their candy is just great. Their candy bars, their Kit Kats are just better than ours. And I'm a, I'm a Kit Kat fan. I'm, I'm not a patriot. I will say that uh, <laughs> you, you give me an English Kit Kat any day over some American fucking Kit Kat. Yeah, I I don't know if I've mentioned this before. This sounds like something I might have mentioned on this podcast, but I don't know. But American chocolate has, I believe, butyric acid added to it, which is like an ingredient in vomit. <laughs> like, like what? so, uh, uh, English people, like European people who have American chocolate, they go like, "This tastes like vomit," and it's because it has this added ingredient, which is essentially vomit flavored. It's also a flavor in uh, feta cheese. Um, but I don't know what the thinking of adding it is, but it's it's an unmistakable part of American chocolate that Americans have mostly just kind of tuned out, you know, like an accent or something. But but people who are used to European chocolate really can't get over it. And who could blame them? <laughs> it's vomit. Yeah. You know, when, when, I come, when I come back from Canada... I bring a bag full of coffee crisp. You ever have coffee crisps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like a giant coffee flavored Kit Kat, and they just rock. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even a big coffee flavor enthusiast, but those are those are where it's at. I love a violet crumble. Never even heard of that. It's uh, what's what's up? No, go ahead. Oh, it's like uh, it's chocolate covered. But the inside is what is it called? I think it's called sponge toffee, or sometimes it's called honeycomb in like uh, chocolate, like candy stores. But it, 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 I don't know. It's like this weird kind of melt in your mouth, kind of spongy. Cr- it's really hard and crunchy, but it kind of 
dissolves maybe a little bit like cotton candy in your mouth. It has this kind of honey kind of flavor. And then, uh, yeah, chocolate yeah. covering. Really good. Speaking of the Figs, uh, the, for the first time I went to their home, it was uh, Christmas time. And they had a Christmas party. And they did it. They're not British, uh, but they, they, they seem like it. And a lot of their friends are Brits. And uh, so there was the Christmas crackers that you pop open and there's little toys inside and whatnot. And they had this incredible spread of, of desserts with these big silver multi-tiered, you know, displays of, you know, candy and uh, peppermint bark and chocolate crumbles mm. and all, the, you know, all, all sorts of jazz. I had gone to a British store, the one that, that, that used to be by uh, Starburns on on Burbank, the one by the, uh, the Buchanan Arms, there was like a little British shop that sold like, you know, Coleman's mustard and right. Branston pickle and chocolates and stuff like that. It's now gone. I think COVID killed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought a box of Maltesers, which are the superior Whopper. And I it, it came in a big square box. And you, it's like it kind of opens like a big tissue box where it's perforated and you kind of lift a lid up. Mm-hmm. And Laurie was like, let me go find a nice bowl for that. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, we, we, like, these are be- I want people to know that these are Maltesers. The Maltesers <laughs> got eaten. There were like 150 Maltesers in this box. They were gone instantly. They were the hit of the party. So I'm just saying. There's 100 in the box? That sounds intense. You like we did a show with who, who, we did a show. It was like, it was the big box. It was the big Christmas box. And there was a oh. lot of Maltesers in there. We did a show in Hershey, Pennsylvania with the Who's Line guys. And we stayed right near the Hershey factory. And yes, the name of the street that we stayed on was the Hershey Highway. And if, yeah. you, if you think four middle-aged comedians uh, ever got over that, yeah, you're, you're, you're quite wrong. <laughs> and you check into the hotel, and there are three million children running around, absolutely just janky on sugar, mm-hmm. screaming and running like up, up and down the walls. And you go to your room and like, we just flew in. We just drove in. We have a couple hours to relax, maybe get a tiny nap in before the show. And it was like being inside a zoo. And when you check in there, on the pillow is the one pound bar of Hershey's milk chocolate. It's, I don't know, an inch and a half thick and Mm -hmm. about maybe four or five inches wide and about a foot long. And uh, the kids there. Just you, you, you. Apparently, if you go take a tour of the Hershey factory, they just give you a bag full of chocolate, and the mm. kids are allowed to eat it all. Yeah, I, I remember at Trader Joe's. I don't think they sell it anymore, but they used to have these broken pieces that they sold by weight of what was like you could see different pieces of the art, but it was like a giant, like bigger than a piece of paper, and probably about an inch or more thick. And maybe even like a, a whole pound, like the whole bar or more. But it's just a giant thing. And they like hit it with a hammer or whatever and then like plastic wrap it. And so you nice. get these big like triangular slabs of it. That 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 was so good. But I'm pretty sure they stopped selling it. Also, <laughs> you used to around Christmas time at 7-Eleven, you can go and get a giant Snickers bar. that was like as big as your head. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like five or six inches wide, and it was just this giant. It was so good. I brought it to a party once. It was a real hit. Was I there? Because I was at a party where somebody brought that, and we, did, and we just yeah. and we just cut it up like a loaf of bread, and you, you just got a like a a toast sized piece of Snicker bar. I was there for that. I think that yeah. was a, like one of Dino's parties, and I brought it. Yes, it, it, that was too much Snicker bar. A, 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 a Snicker bar is almost almost too much Snicker bar. 
It's so good. Snickers are great because they're real meal replacements. Like, you know, you eat a lot of chocolate bars and they just kind of, you don't necessarily feel sick, but you don't feel full. Yeah. But like you could eat a Snickers bar and you're like, I'm good. I'm good for the day. Oh, man. Speaking of sugar overdose, um, watching uh, English football, soccer with uh, with Eric Idle and Jim Piddick as we do like when oh, the season just ended. But like we, if there's good games on, we check, we text and chat with each other. I think I've mentioned right. this before. Yeah. And, and uh, Jim, when it's halftime, everybody sends pictures of what their breakfast is. And their breakfasts are hilariously English. So like they're literally bangers <laughs> and mash. Uh, mm-hmm. Or Eric has a wall full of like exotic teas. And so he tells you what kind of tea he's made. And um, it'll be beans on toast with, uh, with yeah. you know, with a with fried tomato and mushroom on the side and and HP sauce and all this stuff. One, Jim said, I'm, I'm off to go have tea and Battenberg. And I said, what's Battenberg? And he sent me a picture of this awesome looking cake. Um, it's pink and white squares, like on a checkerboard, wrapped mm-hmm. in yellow marzipan. And I, I, I like marzipan and cake. Yeah. Some people don't. Um, or if you're English, they don't call it marzipan because it sounds too foreign. They call it almond paste. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's what it says in the wrapping, but I could be wrong. So my friend Segan from London was coming back. He's like, can I bring you anything back? And he, he always knows to bring me back the fizzy codeines, the, uh, like the Alka-Seltzers, but they're codeine and paracetamol. Right. Those are awesome. I still have the box unopened. I, it takes me forever to get through one of those. But when you need one, wow. And he brought me, a, I said, bring me a box of Battenberg. And he's like, oh, Battenberg. I fucking love Battenberg. I, I went down, took a picture of a cut open Battenberg, cup of tea. Took a bite of it. It's the sweetest thing I've ever put in my mouth. It is just <laughs> crunchy with sugar. Like they, they, they didn't even bother to melt the sugar and turn it into something else. It's just they just poured a bag of sugar on top of some marzipan. Delicious, but wowie. And so I had, I, I brought two little cakes thinking I might get through one of both of them. I ate one and it was like I had done uh, crystal meth. So, like, I, I was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even type. I, I kept mistyping because my, I was, I was just shaking like a kitten in the rain. <laughs> you're but like, if you're, if you're into sweets kids. and you're, and you're, and you're an Anglophile like me, try your uh, Mr. Kipling's Battenberg. Battenberg, huh? Yeah, you can get uh, like uh, these these British candies at uh, Cost Plus World Market a lot of times, which is oh, yeah? nice. You could probably get those coffee crisps if you want them. It was so nice, you guys, to to go to a house where everybody's vaccinated. Everybody has to be double vaxxed and also passed your clearance date. Mm-hmm. And to hug and kiss your friends on the cheek. Gross. And, and to sit near people and to not, not have to worry about stuff. And yet... As social, I mean, we've been over this before, but as gregarious and touchy-feely as I am, it's still taking me a while to get comfortable when people are within a certain distance of me. Yeah. Whereas before, like, I didn't mind being shoulder to shoulder or, you know, have have someone sitting on my lap, you know. But now just the whole idea of physical contact just seems really... Um, I mean, yeah, a year and a half is, a, is, is certainly enough time to create a habit. And that, yeah, you know. the nation's traumatized, Jeff. It's gonna it's gonna take a long time to get over this this psychic wound we're we're all dealing with. 
But, you know, I, I get what you're saying, and I was definitely comfortable with, with people, but especially strangers, like... I'm glad. Like I, I still don't want strangers to be near me. I think I think we should keep that whole distance thing, yeah. you know, in public anyway. Because I need my space, bro. I always did. Yeah, like I've been going out, reading in bars and restaurants for years and years, and when it's when a relatively empty bar or empty restaurant, and someone chooses the table right next to you, that's always annoying. But now mm-hmm. when somebody does it, it's even triple annoying. It's like like it's you're an breaking on your freedoms. It is. It is an assault on my on my very way of life. I just it finished sucks. the dumbest book. I finished a uh-huh. book, and I finished it only because it wasn't that dumb. But I finished it, and I went <laughs> dumb. What was it? It's by an author that I like. Uh, I, Eric, you know, who gives me books. He he gave me this book by Don Winslow, who you know makes a lot of action adventure kind of crime stuff. You ever read any of him, Kevin? No, I don't think I have. Well, he, Eric had given me a book that was written a couple years ago, I think, called Broken. And it's five short stories about like kind of like drug wars and like Southern California border patrol f- feuds and stuff like that. And it was it's all good stuff and well-written. And I, I really liked it. I went back and read one of his earlier books. And I guess I, I, I didn't realize it. Oliver, Oliver Stone had made a movie into it. It's called Savages. And I'm not familiar with this movie because I don't like Oliver Stone movies. And I was reading this and go, oh, this, that makes total sense. This is such an Oliver Stone, blow him up, shoot him up. <laughs> and it was just like the guy, with Don Winslow, I, mean, I think he grew out of it in his later books. But this, the first one, everything was a play on words and a pun. And I was like, you have to stop doing that. <laughs> I don't know if Don Winslow thought he was the funniest guy in the world. Or if he was like kind of lampooning how people in Orange County talk, which I guess maybe they do. But I don't... Uh, 300 pages of that. It was wearing me out. Orange County loves puns. They do. Um, yeah, his nicknames for every street. And, you know, it's not called... It's, it's, let's go out to the snore. Uh, etymology. Lake Elsinore. It's boring out there. Get it? Ugh. Yeah, that's like... Yeah, that's like patting yourself on the back level. Yeah. Um, he, he... I don't know. I'm, Don Winslow, if you're out there, I'm very sorry. I liked I liked Broken a lot. I'll I'll, re, I'll give you another chance with your Border War stuff, but uh, Savages. I, I was cause I'm you know I'm a snob, you guys, and mm-hmm. I, I I like to be seen out with with books that that are off the beaten track that are kind of you know like smart guy stuff or you know cool guy mm-hmm. uh, and stuff that people have never heard of. Uh, walking around with Savages, dudes were like. Dude, have you seen that movie? I'm like, oh no, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the book I, was called Savages. I thought it was called something else. The book is called Savages, and I think oh, the movie okay. is called Savages. Right, right, right. My bad. Yeah. Um, so, so speaking of uh, hopping back into the social world, I went to fucking you know, <laughs> I guess this is more food talk, but I went to a restaurant, Jeff. I went to Fogo de Chao. Basically, once the once the pandemic hit. The only thing that I wanted to do, the only reason I wanted it to end is I was like, I want to go to Fogo de Chao, which is not a good place for vegetarians. It's a it's a Brazilian style charisqueria where they bring you the meats on night on, on swords and they slice off the meat for you, you know, at your table. <laughs> um, and they also have a, a buffet. So really going hard, you know, it's like not only am I going to a restaurant with all these other people, but it has a buffet like a shared oh, buffet. And uh, 
I didn't it nothing bothered me at all. Like even being in the buffet was like closer than I I normally like to be to strangers. Didn't bug me. I didn't feel weird. I didn't feel weird walking in with the mask on. They asked me to keep it on until I got to my table. I didn't feel weird with it off at the table. They want you to keep your mask on when you go to the buffet. Um, that didn't feel. It all felt very normal. And I was like, man, I'm I'm I am an adaptable human. I'm 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 the cream of the crop, baby. And it was great. I ate a bunch of meat. They have this sugary bacon. It's like bacon that's like caramelized and they add a lot of like pepper and stuff. So it's really spicy and sweet. I had like a giant mound of bacon and then a bunch of like slices of, of weird Brazilian cuts of meat. It was so good. I have the feeling this was the night before your dick started hurting and you had to go to the ER. I mean, I do. I, I'm not gonna lie that my diet is definitely the diet that you have when you. I, I'm just, stuff. I'm just like, hearing about this uh, uh, meat on a sword, and my abdomen is starting to kind of ache a little bit. Yeah, I always go, and I like, I know. Well, it's like when I leave, and I feel like absolutely sick. I know I've like done a good job. <laughs> if I don't like feel horrible afterwards, right. it's like I probably could have eaten more. <laughs> Jeez. I thought they were going to shut down. I mean, there is weird buffet style place, you know. Where so is this Fogo de Chao? There's one in Beverly Hills, but I go to the one in um, downtown because the one downtown has better um, bacon. The one in Beverly Hills doesn't have like the same caramelization on their bacon. It's just kind of more traditional bacon with pepper. Um, so I go, to, it's like the Beverly Hills one is way, way better. <laughs> like, um, it's a lot more ritzy and they have higher budgets. So they're bringing around a lot more meat a lot faster, but I go to the, the downtown one strictly for the bacon. Yeah. Cause I'm a man of the people, Jeff, <laughs> I this go downtown I to eat. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I had a date that got canceled mm-hmm. and we were going to go to this crazy restaurant in Eagle Rock. Uh, that's like a mixture of. Chinese and like Peruvian or something like that, some kind of odd combo. And then my date had to get a, a tooth taken out, she says. And uh, so I have to wait until the tooth heals. Oh boy. Yeah, I see right through it. You, you want to play a little D&D, Spencer? You know, Jeff, I would love to. But first, I'm, I'm, would go, you go, grace go us with your notes? Oh, yeah. Well, let, let me let me re up on my cocktail. So, uh, then I will I will give you my notes. Let's uh let's crack into this D and D after this word from our messages. Wait, what? Word a message from our Spencers. <laughs> no, wait, a sponsored ad break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey there, um, Terry Crews. I got a product for you. It's my pecs. You can rent my pecs, left one or right one, for charity or photo ops or just, you know, uh, somewhere to store piercings. I'm Terry Crews. <laughs> Terry um, Crews for Terry Crews's pecs. We gotta, get, we gotta get back uh, yes. into this uh, this improv. You teaching me improv? I think I, yeah. I think I need some the, 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 courses. My my main problem and the reason why I only gave Terry Cruz's pecs uh, 
uh, Emporium uh, three three stars on Yelp and TripAdvisor is because the supply was so limited. They, they, they always seem to be out of stock. <laughs> yeah. It was a real, uh, there's a real, what do you call it? Uh bottleneck in the supply chain i really don't <laughs> yeah. know why they didn't see I, that coming I, I mean i know he's probably got money to spare and he's probably just doing this as a labor of love but it seems like a poor business model to me well i think part of the problem is the prices are so low like considering yeah. like yeah. how limited the supply is it really yeah, doesn't you mean, make like, sense you, you you see the prices the low low prices on terry cruz's pecs and you're like i can't afford not to get one of these and then <laughs> these then you order them prices and, yeah <laughs> Yes, it's titty quality at general prices. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, you know, All right. dick pics are a dime a dozen. So, here we go. This is what I have from last time. Um, and again, a lot of this, this is two weeks ago. Normally, even after a week, uh, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But let's see what we got here. <clears throat> uh, D&D. BFN, who was our good buddy, B-Fungus Ned. Or is he? He's not really a good buddy. He's kind of a pain. Uh, with some smugglers. Pretend ghosts, like Scooby-Doo style. <laughs> Big Copper is barely alive. BDC. That is Beef Dryness Carl, I'm assuming. Beef Dryness Carl, yep. Beef Dryness Carl. I, I'm, I drew an arrow to nothing. <laughs> Ball bearings! Exclamation yeah. point. Uh, five guys, BDC gets poisoned by Big Copper. I kill BDC in the heart. Oh, that's right. I, I, I killed him uh, Fogo de Chow style and uh, <laughs> t- took his ass to the buffet. Uh, chicken Moistness Chuck is there. It just says Chicken Moistness Chuck. That sounds right, yeah. And then it says Barry and Blackjack, exclamation point. And Thank then you. I forgot the name of those guys. And then they speak a strange language, monster, Sam, bully, Sam Boulay lead voice. What? Sam Boulay is a, a guy. Sam Boulay. Lead voice. Is he the lead voice? Uh, yes. No. I don't know. I, I can't read my, I my, know, my, my writing there. I don't there. know what that means. Yeah. And then it says rock and brock. Mm-hmm. And then... It, Parentheses, hobgoblins. And that's all I have. That about sums it up, Jeff. (laughs) That doesn't help me at all. I do remember remember we came up with the awesome device of luring people out into a ball-bearing-filled dark corridor and then poisoning them and then stabbing them to death. Mm -hmm. That is basically what happened, yeah. And then so yeah so but I don't remember how we left it. Uh, I, I I think are we were about to go into a, or combat was continuing with these guys. Like I forget. More or less, yeah. You want to hit the music, Kevin? Oh yeah. Last time on that happens, our heroes Fuzzy Knuckles and uh, the Big Copper had made it with the help of a hostage. Uh, whose name was Beefungus Bill, to the innermost reaches of the thieves' hideout, who turned Beefungus out to be Ned. using the haunted out... Oh, yeah, yeah, Ned. <laughs> who turned out to be using the hideout as a, as a staging ground for smuggling and using the haunting to hide their ill deeds. Our heroes uh, placed themselves in the position for an ambush 
and slowly lured their foes into their clutches, where, using ball bearings to trip and various bladed weapons to stab, they managed to dispatch Beef Dryness Carl and Beef, no, Chicken Moistness Chuck. They tried again, but their lures fell upon deaf ears because the people they were luring seemed to be wise to their games. With no other options, our heroes decided it was time to charge in to what may well be the final boss of the dungeon. But will they succeed? Will they not succeed? Will they do or die? When you said start the music, I instinctively, like re, like knee-jerk reaction, reached over to where my iPad would, would have been on the dais at a Harmontown show. That's awesome. And I, I, I had that beef, brief moment of a... Not that beef moment. I did beef not have moment, a beef moment. Beef moment Barry. <laughs> beef moment Barry was there. Uh, come down to Foga de Chao for your beef moment. Um <laughs> What, there's something uh, really awful sounding about having a beef moment. I'm having a beef moment. Yes, I had a brief moment of panic because I thought, oh, shit, my, my iPad's in the other room. But then I saw uh, the, the Zoom image of Kevin leap into action mm. with cunning and alacrity to the rescue. Oh, yeah. Kevin loves cunning almost as much as he has alacrity. Yeah. Alacrity is something that you're. I, I think you're born with. I don't think you can teach alacrity i think alacrity is, a, is an innate trait like kidney stones i got my alacrity from maybelline does that track <laughs> doesn't really make sense anyway I you can kind of see where i was going there it just didn't really come together anyway so real quick uh, going back to the top of the show what was my nickname jeff dirty dog or dirty dick yeah, what was my I name jeff the dirty dog <laughs> or no jeff the dirt man jeff the dirt man that's what it was jeff the dirt man. <laughs> <laughs> oh beef moments <laughs> Precious and few are the moments we two can share. Um, okay, I'm just I'm just putting in brackets on the notes. Beef moments as an aside. Yeah, I think that's a good aside. Okay. Um, so when you go to yeah. when you go to the buffet at the Fogo de Chao, yeah, your your sword full of meat has already been run through and it was laying on your table. You're going to the buffet for sides and salads and whatnot then. Yeah, it's sides and salads. And then they also have charcuterie. Um, but, but yeah, they bring the swords to you. You say, I'll take that. I don't want that. They'll slice you off the section. You grab it with your little tongs and you put it onto your plate. And then they whisk away with the sword to the next table. This sounds awesomely like 16th century Spain. This is great. Yeah. I'm sure it is like an old style of restaurant that, or like an old style of dining that kind of graduated to a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So, big copper. W- w- am I am I still minus five health? Am I down to? A- yeah, you are. It's, it's it's a rough look going into a boss fight at first level. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and what's big copper? Big copper is at full steam, right? Yeah, he's up. So to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. Full steam. Um, that, that was a steampunk trip. But trip. no, that's cool to, to imagine him being steam-powered. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that. Maybe that's canon. Um, okay, so 
Big Copper and I, it's just the two of us. Do we, do we, do we still have a tied up hostage, Beef Fungus Ned, or is he, is he, is he still with yeah. us? Yeah. You got Ned. He's tied up as a hostage, yeah. Um, I, 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 I got my dagger on, on Beef Fungus Ned still, and I say, wait, wait, you, you think, uh, from the recap, they're, they're kind of hip to the jive that, 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 that there's enemies out here. They're not going to buy any more of our, our little, our little Scooby-Doo tricks. Why don't you roll an insight check or a wisdom check if you don't have insight, which I don't think you do. And I'm adding what? Wisdom? Wisdom, yeah. Uh, ten. Uh, you get the sense that either they... Well, no, you get the sense that probably hobgoblins don't speak enough common to know what you were attempting. And do we have an idea how many hobgoblins are in there? Uh, Brock and Rock, I think their names were. So two. Or you know there's that two hobgoblins exist. You didn't hear. You, you heard a voice. You don't know how many voices you heard. Wait, where are the rest of my... Where did my notes just go? Oh, here we are. Oh, no. Um, and, and also, there was, there, was a, there was a big boss in there, too. The San Belay. San Belay, the leader of the, uh, the smuggling ring. Shit. Um, this seems pretty dangerous to go in there, doesn't it? It's not undangerous. Yeah, okay. no, it's, uh, it's, you, you get the sense that this is the final boss fight of the dungeon. All right, well, let's get this shit going then. Um, did I have like poison spray or anything like that? Uh, I don't think you did. Uh, no, Big, I don't. Or uh, Big Copper can, can, has a spell called poison spray, but that's different. Right. Um, well, why don't we start off by having Big Copper go up there and, and just fill that room up with as much poison as we can and get, get kind of a, a little bit of a, a hit point drop on them. Hey, yo, baby, that's a great idea, but I'm afraid that doesn't work quite that way. You see, this poison has a half-life of just a few seconds, and I can only get a real, a little puff at a time. It dissipates at about 10 feet, so oh, I shit. can't even get that much. Also, this is a natural cavern with natural airflow, so I don't think that's going to work, baby. Well, thank Although you. That I was like a very style. That was a very um, detailed and thoughtful way to tell me that I, that I had a bad idea. Thank you. I think it was a good idea. It just didn't okay. work. Yeah, I, I dig it. Or won't um, work, rather. Well, is it, is it, do we see light coming from the, the end of the cavern? Are they, are they lit down there? Or is it, are, they, are they in total darkness down there? You do see torchlight, yeah. Okay. Um, well... I say we just go in there and just start kicking ass. I, 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 I get down low. We start walking in slowly. And I get down low, kind of behind um, Big Copper's legs. And I take my short bow out. So I've got, I can use his legs as cover, but shoot from underneath him, like between his legs. And you know, if I need to, I can kind of dodge and duck uh, between Big Copper's metallic haunches. Mm -hmm. I like that. Let's do it. Looking up cover rules. My character sheet is just this one sheet, right? There's not, there's not a second uh, Fuzzy Knuckles character sheet, is That's there? correct. I think okay. on the document I emailed you, there's an extra blank page, but I think you only printed the one because the rest of them are blank. No, I have the blank page, but there's, 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 as you say, there's nothing on it. All right. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, 
All right. So, yeah, you, you march in or whatever. You move in in some fashion um, to a cavern. It looks like a storage cavern. This cavern, like the passage leading to it, is well lit. <laughs> I can, it's well lit. Yeah, you enter a, li a lit passage as opposed to the dark cavern hole you were in. Uh, by torches held in simple iron brackets around the walls. You can see five small bolts of cloth stacked against the wall to your left, and on your right are eight small casks in a neat row. You also see a hobgoblin and... Oh, roll a, roll a will save. And what, what, do I, what do I add to that? Your... Oh, a wisdom save. Sorry, not a will save. I forgot those don't exist anymore. Oh, 18. 18. You feel magic, uh, ca ca yeah, what do you call it, surrounding your head and kind of dizzying you a bit as if someone's tried to cast a spell, but you shake it off and you see a tan skinned, like, a, like maybe kind of a Greek looking, although Greece doesn't exist, um, a, a tan skinned, bald headed wizard in fine robes, a wizard and a hobgoblin. Um, lay down any weapons you have unless you want to get your asses totally smoked. Fogo de Chao style. Uh, who goes there? I'm unarmed. I'm a wizard. I guess I'm always armed in a way. I can't lay down <laughs> my spells. Um, we're just, uh, just kind of passing through here. Uh, we got lost on, uh, we came into the, uh, to, to the house, uh, because we heard there were some strange things going on, and then now here we are. We're just kind of wondering if there's a way out. Like kind of, the, we're just trying to get out of here. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Francisco Fuzzy Knuckles de Quevedo. Ooh, Francisco! I see. I see. You know, your reputation precedes you. You're a rogue of some stature in my world, the underworld, the criminal underworld. Oh, so we have a lot in common. Maybe we could, uh, you know, settle this like friends. Uh, yeah. My name's San Boulay, the Magnificent. He does a big flourish, and you can see his um, his uh, his hand kind of glows with magic. Make another will save. Oh, he's trying to fuck... He, I said just be nice, and he keeps trying to fuck me up. Uh, he takes a big bow. Oh, so I, I'm adding... I add, add wisdom to that? No, that should yeah, be right. wisdom. Yeah. Oh, uh, nine. Okay. I, I have no, I, I have no wisdom modifier, so I just, I just straight rolls, right? Yeah, that's that's how it works. Unless you have a negative modifier, but you go, oh man, Sandblade, you've heard of this guy. He seems like a cool guy, and you, you feel like you like him. Oh, but he's, and I'm too, I'm too bedazzled by this spell he just threw at me to know that he's just brainwashing me. Or you know maybe you just uh, you just know know about him, Sandbelay the Magnificent. You 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 feel like you've heard of you can't think of any specifics, but you feel like you might have heard of this guy before. You know he's 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 a real mover and shaker again in the criminal underworld. And he's like, come on, why you know why don't why you you, you trying to break up my smuggling ring? You're no better than me, right? Or, I mean, you're probably pretty good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, you know, what's a little smuggling done to hurt anybody? Like uh, taking goods from people who worked hard for them? Come on, that's nonsense. Well, you, you've you got a lot. Of, you got the whole town scared. And look, as as from one from one rogue to another scoundrel, um, 
you know, we, we were just, we were, we were new in town and we were kind of, I won't say pushed into service, but kind of, you know, kind of pressed into service to come find out what was going on in this house. We didn't know what was going on. We thought it was a haunted house. We didn't know that there was a criminal ring going on there. And they, 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 they're paying us to kill some ghosts, to, you know. So, hmm. I mean, if you, if, if you want to pay us for, uh, you know, match the price or, you know, what, what they're paying us, we'll just we'll leave the whole thing alone. Wait, what are they paying you? I forget. <laughs> Spencer, do you remember? Are they I paying? I don't know us? if it was ever specified. <laughs> they are. They are. They were presumably paying you, but I don't know if the amount was ever actually specified in the, in okay, the talks. Well, these are the kinds of things you, it's important to work out beforehand before you take yeah, the job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's yeah. like, whatever they're paying you, I'll single it. Um. What do you got in those casks over there? Oh, that's a great question, my friend. Um, these are eight casks of brandy worth 10 GP apiece at market, though the merchants of Salt Marsh recognize the goods as stolen. That's the thing about, you know, stolen goods is you got to you gotta fence them and spread them around elsewhere where people don't know what's going on. That's and what's what up with those? Uh, all about. What's, those, what's up with those uh, casks of brandy? I mean, I'm sorry, sorry no, those stacks of cloth. Those are just five bolts of silk worth 50 GP each. Also recognizable hmm. as stolen in Salt Marsh. And so it's, it's me and my big friend here and just, uh, just one wizard and a little hobgoblin. And uh, all, this, uh, all this valuable loot. And I, I don't want to... I, I, I don't want to, you know, piss on your uh, parade here, uh, San Boulay. But uh, if you go about the hallway that we just came through, you're going to see a few of your homeboys dead and stabbed through the heart. Yeah, I heard about that. Although my my lying minion Ned seemed to have called out a few times that he killed all of you. Well, I he, Ned, uh, I I point to I, I I go back and bring n- n- naked uh, gagged Ned and and, and just kind of point to him to like say well ta-da well you know the price of betrayal ned and ned's like gulp i don't like where this is at <laughs> jeez um i'm just saying i i i lean over to big copper are, are, are we you know far enough away if i whisper they won't be able to hear me uh sure yeah for the purposes of yeah okay i lean over and whisper to uh well, I say to Sam, but like, give us a second. We we, we walk you know, a little bit away. I say, um, look, we can kind of negotiate with these guys, or we could just kick a bunch of ass, take all their shit, bone out, and we're rich. Copper's like, you sure seem chummy with this guy. Do you know him? And that prompts you, you can make another will save to break the uh, magical effect. Nine again. Okay, so it doesn't. Um, you you definitely feel like this guy's cool and trustworthy. Um, but yeah, he's he's, like, what's, he seems, what's going on? He seems cool. I, f- I feel like I've heard of him. He seems like a pretty all right guy. I don't know. I mean, I do live in the town, and its livelihood is important to me. You know, that hush money character who hired you. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's not a great guy, but, you know, he does his job. He, he, keeps the, he keeps the wheels spinning, you know, the gears turning, the steam engines oiled. 
I, I don't know how big coppers work emotionally or like what their sense of uh, morality or nobility or pride is. But would you feel better if we kicked these guys' asses, took the stuff back to the town like conquering heroes? Uh, he's like, you know, I could go either way, honestly. Hey, man, this is your story. <laughs> right. I, 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 I turn back to Sam Boulay. I go, so who, who, who are you dealing with? Like, who is your market for, for all these stolen goods? He looks left and he looks right and he kind of he puts his hand, you know, like like this and he's like lizard lizard folk. Lizard folk. You know, big lizards. Mm-hmm. And uh big business. There's a whole lizard kingdom in how, how do you how, how do you get there? By boat or like what, 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 do you do you do you have to like get on a on a ship and sail to them or what? By boat to start with, then it gets kinda hairy, subterranean stuff underground mm-hmm. caverns you know it's a it's a real mess but you know they come out they meet with us this is how we do and wh- where's the boat uh, moored where's the boat moored what are you talking about your boat to put to put these goods on oh well there's a ship that we you know we we row these ships why am i telling you all this anyway there's a ship that we kind of uh communicate with and when the coast is clear uh, the literal coat we got to make sure the literal coast is actually clear we send right. out our our little runner with uh with the goods you know we were actually we loaded about half the stuff already out um you know in preparation of being attacked by random adventurers but this is what we have left unloaded onto the boat and they've they've set off to uh meet with the the ship now, why the did smugglers? you stay behind because i'm the most powerful wizard and also the Lord of all crimes. <laughs> okay, hotshot. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, hotshot I am. Okay, I, I, I go back over to Big Bopper. I say, okay, look, here's the thing, man. I'm, I'm pretty low on, uh, on health right now. I took, I, I took a little bit of a pounding back there. Um, I got a bad feeling about going head-to-head with the big-ass wizard, uh, whether he seems cool or not. This hobgoblin guy I'm not worried about too much. Um, I can deal with a hobgoblin. But uh, I, uh, I don't know. We could go about this a few ways. We, what do you think about? Because I, 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 I'm a, I'm, I'm a great sailor. I've spent a lot of my life at sea as a swashbuckler. You know, um, what if we try to ingratiate our, ourselves to them and say, "Look, why don't we join up with you? We're smugglers. Like you, you could use a few, a couple uh, new good men. We'll join you." Or is that stupid after we just killed half of his crew? <laughs> well, it does sound pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I guess there's no guarantee he won't stab us in the back. Aside from True. the fact that he might not have a bunch of men left. So he might actually be in need of, of some hands. But right. I'm not going to lie to you. This guy seems kind of like a prick. So is he even going to be a good boss? He might. These yeah. are the questions one must ponder. Is there any reason to use thieves can't with this guy right now? Or is that just something where I can kind of like, if I need to discuss secret stuff with thieves in front of other people? Uh, Thieves can't. I mean, the reason you might do that is to talk secretly. Okay, so here's a scenario. If you wanted to talk so that big copper didn't know what you were saying, that Mm -hmm. that would be a reason to use thieves can't because he doesn't know thieves can't. You don't know that the other guy knows thieves can't either. So you might just be speaking to kind of gibberish to him. 
Okay, how about this? Where are they standing? I look around at these uh, at these uh, torches on the wall. You said there's four torches on the wall? Yeah. Um, do I have any, like, water to douse these with? Uh, you... Let, let's say, yeah. I think it's reasonable to assume you probably have a water skin. Well, how about this? Um, I, I said a big cupboard. Stand back a little bit. I walk over to one of the casks. Are they opened or closed? Are they, they have a lid on them? They're closed, yeah. Could I... Um, I go up... And I take one of the torches. I take one of the torches off the wall, and I start just examining, like you know, like like no, no big deal, examining the casks and the goods, and say, well, let's see what the quality of the silk is, and maybe I can have a taste of the brandy and see what you got here. If it's good stuff, maybe we could come along with you. You could use a your your, your crew is diminished. You could use a swashbuckler like me and a, and a bad motherfucker like my, my my pal here. Can I just take a little peek at what you got here, and you can just kind of tell me about it. Uh, do you have deception or like uh, lying or whatever? I think it's deception. I don't know what the skill's called. Let me look on your sheet on my Instagram page. I don't. Okay, so roll a charisma check then. Shit balls. A uh, seven. <laughs> Shit. What is the. Yeah, it is deception. A seven? Okay, so what's he gonna roll? All right. He's like, "What? What's your aim here?" I just want to—I want to see, what, you know, the quality of the merchandise. If, if, if I, you know, I, um, I, I'm a a roguish criminal myself. You know, if, if I, I, I want to see what you got, like if, if you've got quality stuff here, um, I, I, I could be looking for a job that pays better than what these, you know, pissant townspeople are paying us. He, uh, he motions to the hobgoblin, and the hobgoblin steps towards you. He has a sword in hand, but he hands you a crowbar. Okay. I, uh, I, I go over. I uh, say, one second. got to talk to my buddy real quick. I go over to. Uh, no, I know. I, I, they, 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 that would be too suspicious. So I take the crowbar, I and I say, open up. Well, suspicious. I said, I said, I said, well, I, said, well I, I, I don't know about you, but after a fight, I sure could use a drink. I take the crowbar. I said, do you mind if I open up this cask and, and just sample your, the taste of your brandy? Uh, sure. You know, okay. new friends and all that. Makes sense. <laughs> Look, you're a powerful wizard. I'm just a weakling. You know, I'm, I'm not feeling great right now. Uh, this guy's just a big bucket of bolts. Uh, I don't think you guys are in any, any peril right now. <laughs> that sounds about right. So I go uh, up and I open up the brandy and I, uh, like, I kind of scoop it a little bit with my with my hands, my little cat paw hand, and and, and taste it. And uh, I thought, oh, it's not bad. I've had better, but that's not bad at all. I didn't make. And it. then I and then I take. Do I have one of the torches in my hand? Uh, did you say you did? I I I think so. Yes. Then sure, yeah. <clears throat> And I kick a brandy barrel over towards the wizard and the hobgoblin, and I throw the torch in it. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to kick the brandy at the wizard's uh, garments. I'm assuming, I'm I'm picturing robes and, you know, long flowing garments and whatnot. Flowing robes. So I'm hoping it makes a big splash. And then I, when when splashed, I'm going to light it on fire. Okay, you have athletics, right? Roll an an athletics. Yeah, an athletics check. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, yeah, 18. All right, so you kick it. It splashes all over him. By the position of the hobgoblin, he's not, you know, in in Brandy's way. 
And Brandy Strong? Is Brandy Strong? I don't oh, really yeah. know what Brandy is. Oh, Br- Brandy is like, like moonshine. Okay. Well, I mean, you might have a bias here, but okay. Um, yeah. No, so I mean, like, that, like Brandy Brandy can be a very, very high a high alcohol content, like very mm-hmm. high proof. Yeah, so you, Usually you splash him over, and he's like, no, no. <laughs> uh, and then I guess you're you're throwing, you're throwing that. So do yeah. a, uh, just a dexterity roll. I like it. Oh, 22, bitch. That'll hit, yeah. Um, so let's say 2d6. Rolling fire damage. <laughs> he takes 12 damage and he catches on fire. His, uh, his rogues or his robes rather are, are ablaze. Um, and that's, that's not good. Um, now we're rolling combat time. So let's say you went first. So, uh, so everyone else will go and then you'll go again. Okay. All right. So Sanbele acts first and, uh, he is going to. He's going to stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> so he's seeing the commercials. He that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah he's, he, he was in the PSAs and such. He doesn't, he doesn't put himself out, so he takes five damage, um, and he tries to cast a spell at you, but being on fire inhibits your concentration. So let's see if he can concentrate. Um, yeah, he does concentrate. So he Shit. hits you with a spell that I have to look up. Mm-mm. I'm going to hit myself with a spell of Ardingstall's Brilliant London Dry Gin, made by Paul Feig. Damn. I think they have it at BevMo now. You can you can actually buy this like pub- publicly. It's quite good. This is not a paid commercial. I just I just like my friend's booze. Yeah, it sounds good. You can hear him ca- you can Ooh. hear him shouting magic words and he goes, Magic missile! Oh fuck. Oh, that's gonna get you. Um seven. It does ten damage to you, so now you're dying. I really am. Because I only had six. Yep. Um, so <laughs> this would be a short campaign. <laughs> Big Copper gets hit by a how do you know by a uh, hobgoblin sword. He takes seven damage, and then the Big Copper is gonna try and do a poison, but he fails. And Big Copper runs over to you. Um, roll a death save. That's just a D20 without anything. A death save? Yep. 15. All right. You pass your first death save. Um, yeah, so everything goes black. Uh, you wake up. Actually, hold on. Let me roll a couple more dice. In a nice comfy bed and everything is okay. It kind of is. Um, okay. Yeah. So you wake up, you wake up in, um, you're, 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 oh wait, no, you got to roll two more death saves to make sure you wake up. Oh shit. 18. Okay. One more, then you're good. 13. That's good dice. Yeah. All right. So you wake up and, um, 
you're you're at the base of a sea cliff in like a small alcove. You're you're soaking wet. You're shivering cold. Um, Big Copper's there with you. He's he's tried to make a small fire, but it's not. You know, he has like two like pieces of driftwood. It's not much of a fire in this little alcove, and the wind's whipping around. So he's like trying to shield it with his body to uh, you know keep it from going out. And he's like, "Holy shit, man! I thought you were dead." <laughs> What the, what happened? What did I miss? All I remember was oh, doing man. something incredibly brave and, and awesome and lighting a wizard on fire with booze. I was just thinking about that, how awesome and brave it was. I, uh, you know, it was my turn after that, and I went, Fuzzy Knuckles! And I, I shot poison at Sandbelay, and he died. It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, no, yes. And then I picked you up, and while the while the hobgoblin was occupied, he was wailing on me. But I picked you up, and I jumped out of the, I jumped I ran out of the cavern and jumped into the sea. So, and here we are. It's okay. been about twelve hours. I don't know how we're gonna get out of here though. Like we're gonna climb up a sea cliff or something. Did that? Did I? Am I healed now after twelve hours of chilling? Uh. I don't have to look that up, but let's say you're at one HP. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it looks like. We, I mean, we we didn't get any of the loot. I'm, I'm assuming some of it is on fire from my first yeah. move. Yeah, maybe even. Uh, okay, good. Then fuck them. But now we know we have some information. We can we can go back to town and say, look, it's not a haunted house. Uh, mm-hmm. There's smugglers down here. We know the names. We got names. We know who these people are, and we know they're dealing with lizard people, and uh, and I, I think that's that's I would consider <clears throat> consider that a W. I'd say that's a win for 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 the home team. Yeah, and then um, a rock breaks, and uh, and the big copper falls off the cliff, and um, but he grabs he grabs the edge of the cliff with his with his big copper hand. You know what that is? His big copper hand. Yeah. Do I know what it is? It's a cliffhanger. Oh, cliffhanger! <laughs> wow, how did I not get that? <laughs> I was too in the moment, and I was worried about my friend Big Copper. Thank you, Hapuccinos. Thank you, Kevin. Um, thank you for sitting through our medical... Uh... Oh, real quick, we have, we have just a few seconds. Uh, anything in the news? Uh, Spencer News Corner? We didn't do it last time. Oh, well, I'm I'm just looking here, and it looks like the Nazis are at it again. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you. Um, uh, Spencer, uh, go visit him on his things. You can visit my Patreon at uh, Storytime with Jeff B. Davis, where I tell stories. Spencer, you got anything to plug? Uh, Look look forward to my Spytreon, if that ever happens. If we generate sufficient spite, uh, maybe someone will die. You know, (laughs) who knows what the power of of accumulated spite can, can wreak. But yeah, All right, everybody. That's it. That's it for us tonight. Thank you for being here. And uh, what, what's up next, Kevin? A special Shrub Home video feature. We're going to be showing the entire Steve Hutton uh, TV series portal up up next. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, precious beef moments we all shared this evening. Uh, I, I'm glad Spencer's uh, d- didn't pass a, a shard of glass through his wiener. Uh, we're glad that Kevin uh, survived COVID twice, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I found a suit that didn't have moth holes in it. Moths are destroying all my shit, everybody. Oh, uh, where's my parade? All right, <laughs> signing off. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I'm pretty sure it was that.
Yeah. Zach, Bye, guys. Is that what I was supposed to say? Go with God. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I, 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 I was the guy that didn't know I was supposed to say cliffhanger. So. <laughs>